What's up, y'all? What's going on in the house of craze tonight? I would ask George, but he still missed his flight. I'm not sure if I'm supposed to be rhyming tonight, but I'm going to do it because you asked. I Anyway, George is not here, but we have uh, two guests on the show. I believe we got Jerry Carita. He's a career unscripted TV producer, director, and writer, and the founder of Thorny Comics. And we have Richard Davis, owns one of the best comic shops in Knoxville, Tennessee. So we're going to have them on the show today. Um, but first, let's get it. We are the only show for independence all around, giving you a platform to spread your word all over town. Cast the craze is the place to promote to your fans with the dream of Medina and Santa Crazy Man. Subscribe to our show and never miss an episode. It's time to get your man to listen to us on the go. Updated every week. We never miss a day. Join the squad. Come on in. It's time to catch the craze. If you are an independent, catch the craze. Making moves on your own, catch the craze. On your grind in the streets, catch the craze. Join the movement, catch the craze. Yeah, George, we did it again. Come on now. Now you want to do it. Welcome to Catch the Craze Podcast. I'm your host with the most, Sam the Crazy Man, Vera. And normally I'm with George the Dreamer Medina, but he's not here. Yay! No, that's not what I'm looking for. Oh, oh, you crazy. Yeah, that's what I'm looking for. Anyway, so George, again, he missed his flight. He continues to miss his flight. That's the longest flight in the world that he keeps missing. But anyway, like I said in the opening intro, we're going to be talking to um, the duo behind uh, Reign of Dracula, which is currently on Kickstarter. We're going to be talking about their journey um, and the book. And so, um, but uh, before we do that, we have some house cleaning to do. Um, if you haven't done so already, I'd love for you to hit that like button, subscribe, share with a friend, let everybody know where you got this show from. Um, and if you're listening to this on replay on Spotify on Pandora, you could always go to YouTube and hit that like or subscribe button or leave a comment on one of those streaming platforms on whatever floats your boat um, that or any of that will do. But <clears throat> I do want to remind everybody that this Saturday I will be doing a book signing at the Geek Out in Mansfield, Texas. So Geek Out, Mansfield, Texas. I'll be there doing a book signing. I'll also be vlogging there for my art channel, The Art of Samuel. If you haven't subscribed to that channel, go check it out, The Art of Samuel. But I'll be vlogging there as well. So come down and say hi. I'll be ha I'll have the spinner with me. So I'll be spinning the wheel, um, and there'll be some cool prizes. And uh, the uh, the uh, the price of entry is a purchase. You spin the wheel, and you get whatever's on the wheel as a prize. So come down to Mansfield, Texas, this Saturday, 11 to 5. I will be there. There'll be some Marvel Comics artists, some local Texas talent, and, and yours truly there. So it's going to be really, really dope. So come and check it out. Um, and if you've been following my vlog, you know that I draw live, and, uh, and a lot of it, it's requests from you. So you as an, uh, as uh, viewers have been requesting me to draw duty as multiple different characters. So I just wanted to share some of those characters with you. So here was duty as Galactus. Um, this was viewer requested. Um, this is duty as Dr. Octopus, viewer requested. Uh, duty as Thanos. Um, again, 
viewer requested duty as the green goblin and most recently which i did last night live was duty as the dude hatter the mad hatter um and i'm gonna fix the eyes i don't like the way the eyes came out and i'm gonna work on the shirt uh, but those are some of the newest ones and then finally finally uh today is the last day uh, so tomorrow night ends 7 p.m central time Tomorrow night, we end the, the journey of There's an Alien in My Toilet on Kickstarter. So if you haven't done so already, um, get yourself your copy of There's an Alien in My Toilet. It ends tomorrow, 7 p.m. Uh, Central Time, Texas Time. So that would be 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Um, the last opportunity to uh, get yourself uh, issue number six of There's an Alien in My Toilet, uh, Peekaboo ICU. And remember that... Uh, uh, all physical pledges get an eight by eight print of duty as duty juice, right? So uh, who doesn't want a cup of duty juice? So you'll get that for free, eight by N, uh, eight. And if all $20 pledges and up, we'll get the, the two samurai cards. Um, they're part of a nine card set. It's the first two. And so if you pledge 20 and over, you get the print plus the two cards on top of whatever it is you pledge. So that's pretty fantastic. Again, last 24 hours, the countdown has begun. Um, head over to Kickstarter and check it out if you have not done so already. Um, and then shout out to A Kid in the Comic. A Kid in the Comic, you know that Duty is published by A Kid in the Comic. as a comic strip new in the newspaper, which is distributed. I got to get this over here. Oh, here we go. Bang. There it is. There it is. So uh, A Kid in the Comic, uh, Duty is a comic strip, which follows the uh, sequence of the comic book series, too. So he's also a comic strip published. Um, every at uh, seven times a year and you can get it by going to a kid in the comic.com or you can go and pledge on my kickstarter and get a copy from me directly um or you can go to your local comic shop or bookstore and request that they carry it so kid in the comic is distributed nationally um published um by a kid in the comic the publisher so just visit a kid in the comic.com a kid in the comic.com they're getting ready to um uh start shipping out uh volume number four of the newspaper, which is pretty dope. And there's a lot of fantastic other creators in the series in that um, newspaper. Um, and it's pretty fantastic. Um, have you checked out the latest vlog on the art of Samuel? The latest vlog is basically me and the crew. It's a flashback to when we went to ZoloCon. And ZoloCon was a con that shouldn't have been, right? It was a shot in the dark. I said, hey, it was a time when the lockdowns and the masking and all these restrictions, and they were one of the first ones to say, yo, we're going to start and we're going to open up. And um, it was a toy show. It wasn't a comic show. It was a toy show. It was a collector's show. And I, I just wanted to do an event. So I said, let me go. It's a shot in the dark. I don't know if I'm going to make any money, but I'm going to do it anyway. And uh, we were at the Horror Hotel. It was a Motel 6, and there was blood on the walls, and it was smelled like a chimney, and there were mosquitoes, and it was horrible. Um, but, you know, we weathered that that storm and but because the boys were together, and we were laughing over a bucket of Kentucky Fried Chicken. Um, we had to have the door open while we were in the room until we had to go to sleep, and had to close the door, and then suffocated the whole night. But the event was fantastic. The event was fantastic. The reception was amazing. I made back everything I spent, and then some. It was a great event. I wish I was on the East Coast because um, I'd do it again, but I'm just not going to fly out and ship all my stuff to do a convention um, anymore. From now on, I'm staying in Texas. Texas has enough events um, to keep me occupied for the entire year, and I'm pretty fantastic. I'm pretty excited about that. Um, but also, next week on the show, 
um, on this channel, we have Nander Fox. So he'll be on the show and he'll be talking about um, Lifeline and Manchild um, uh, on the show. And he's a return guest. So he'll be on the show next week. And again, we're booked through February. So remember, um, starting the new year, starting February, um, all crowdfunding campaigns won't be the priority. It's really about storytelling and we'll be just interviewing the guests and talking about a creative journey in the game, whether it's in comics, music, publishing, whatever it is. Um, and we're shifting gears, uh, because the viewers have spoken. So that's the direction we're going to go. And, uh, but, uh, shout out to everybody who's been, <laughs> who's booked on the show straight through February, which is crazy. Um, so with that said, if you haven't done so already, hit that like button, subscribe to the channel. Let me know your thoughts. And before I bring in my guest, I'm going to play this little promo to remind you. The promo is going to say three days left, but it's actually just one day. It ends tomorrow. And uh, and then we're going to bring in our guest, uh, Richard Davis, and we're going to start this conversation. Check it out. Let me take this time to tell you about this nailing on my toilet. You've made it this far. You subscribe to my channel. Now honor me with a pledge and get a copy of book number six of There's an Alien in My Toilet on Kickstarter. Only three days left. There's a lot of great incentives for you when you back. Check out, go to the kickstarter.com. There's an alien in my toilet and make your pledge today. That'd be so amazing. And when you do, please put it in the comments if you did. And don't forget, if you're in Mansfield, Texas, November 4th, I will be at the grand opening doing a book signing at Geek Out Comics and Collectibles of their brand new location. I'll be there with a bunch of industry veterans and local independents. So come down and check us out. Lou Pond in the house. What's up, Lou? And let's bring him in. Rain of Dracula. What's up, Rich? Hey, what's going on, dude? How you been? How you been? I'm good. Yourself? Man, I can't complain. It's a beautiful, freezing Halloween night here in Knoxville. <laughs> Actually, yeah, it's cold out here too. It's a little brisk. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it just dropped. Uh, it was like 80 degrees yesterday. It's 20 today. Yeah, so, that's, that's, they're talking about an overnight freeze here in Texas, so uh, we had to shut oh, down wow. our sprinkler systems. It's not supposed to get cold in Texas, man. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's what they say. That's what they <laughs> say. It's all lies. It's all lies. I love that uh, R2D2 in the background. Oh, thanks, man. It's actually a piggy bank. Oh, that's pretty sweet. Pretty yeah, sweet. Yeah, I love it. Yes. Love that so, thing. Rich, welcome to Cast the Craze Podcast. Let's who are we talking to? Let the audience know. Yeah, so I am the writer-creator of the uh World of Dracula series. Uh the first book was uh, Cult of Dracula. Um, came out from Source Point Press in 2021. It was a top 50 best-selling comic. Uh, it was my first book. Uh, nice. Then uh, we followed it up with the sequel, uh, Rise of Dracula, uh, which also came out from Source Point Press in 2022. Um, I took a break from Dracula um, and I have, went to tell a Frankenstein story called Prometheus in Chains. Uh, it's out in comic book stores now. Issue four comes out uh, a week after next. Uh, and then now I'm finally finishing up my Dracula trilogy with uh, Reign of Dracula and um, putting that out through Thorny Comics and Blue Juice Comics. So um, it's been a, been a hell of a fun ride. And uh, man, I'm, I can't wait to get the final chapter out to everybody. So that's interesting. So tell me, why did you decide to take a break from it? You know, I got a little tired of um, telling the Dracula story. Uh, you know, my, my head just wasn't, wasn't in that space. Um, uh, it's out there. Uh, my wife passed away in 2020. Um, yeah, thank you. Um, and so I really got in that headspace of, you know, depression, uh, PTSD. I suffer from PTSD because of how it all happened. And um, so I wasn't feeling 
Dracula at the time, but I really wanted to tell this story, um, this Frankenstein story. I wanted to tell it from a different perspective. Most Frankenstein stories uh, focus on Victor's arrogance. Is what That's what drives him to steal fire from the gods, to bring uh, the creature back to life. But in my story, uh, Victor and Elizabeth Frankenstein were two of the Jewish scientists who fled Nazi Germany in 1939. That's a true story came to the U.S. through Operation Paperclip and worked on the Manhattan Project. Uh, Elizabeth develops cancer and passes away, and that uh, her death drives Victor into this spiral of addiction, depression, and an obsession with bringing her back to life. Um, so writing Prometheus in Chains was absolute hell for me. But it was also uh, it allowed me to work through my uh, work through my shit, you know, right. and um, so it's it's been really important to me to to talk to other people who have and suffer from PTSD because there is a lot of us guys out there, um, veterans, first responders, police officers who, you know, we we carry that burden, but we we're kind of ashamed to talk to it, uh, talk to other people about it. So I was hoping uh, my goal with getting Prometheus and Chains out there. Uh, was that maybe one person out there reading that book about a character working through PTSD, written by a man working through PTSD, maybe they'll feel like they're not alone, and maybe instead of picking up a gun, they pick up a phone, and uh, they call the uh, PTSD hotline, which we do include in every copy of uh, Prometheus and Chains. Um, so that that's really important to me, and um, you know, I, I'm really glad I took the break from Dracula to kind of reset my headspace. Uh, because now, um, when, if I would have tried to write Reign of Dracula, you know, a year and a half ago, it would have been miserable because I would have hated writing it. I, my mind was elsewhere. Uh, so now uh, my head's right. And, um, you know, I'm ready to tell that story. You know, you, you hit on something. Do you think the, the challenge with um, speaking about it is because of the expectation of being a male? I do. Uh, you know, as men, we're especially, you know, if you're if you end up serving in the military, um, you know, you're, it's kind of driven in your head. You know, boys don't cry. And, you know, you're, you know, suck it up, buttercup, you know, all those things, you, you know, men are we're not taught to be in touch with our feelings, our emotions. And we're certainly not taught to share them with other people. And in fact, we're discouraged um, uh, to do it. And um, so, uh, you know, I, again, I think it's very important. Uh, I come from a military family and several of my family members, they struggle with PTSD. And, you know, as I was developing Prometheus and Chains, uh, that was something that, you know, we talked about. I, I, I spoke to them and I you know, wanted to know, uh, you know, what resources they had, what held them back. Um, you know, and so, yeah, it's I, I think just unfortunately, that's a. Um, you know, we the term toxic masculinity gets tossed around a lot, and most of the time it's not really applicable. But in this circumstance, I think the way that we're raised as men to be disconnected from our emotions, uh, I think that is toxic masculinity, um, and because it harms so many of us, and uh, you know, it's something that really needs to change. Absolutely, but th what you did requires a lot of courage and self reflection and really understanding you and your purpose and your identity right and what and what you wanted in life so what was it that motivated you to say i'm not going to be part of the problem and i'm going to change course and i'm going to talk about this and i'm going to see if i can help others while i'm seeking help 
that's that's tough. It is, you know, and, um, you know, I, I'm in therapy. Um, you know, that's something very important, I think, for men as well. But I I just had to tell this story. I had it was I had to work through my PTSD. And, you know, as a creative person, as a writer, um, you know, that's the avenue that I have. You know, um, art is pain. Uh, art is suffering. Um, you know, my friend Sean Cross, who uh, does a cover for Reign of Dracula, um, which is up on Kickstarter right now. Um, he works through his depression, uh, through his artwork. Um, I can't paint with a brush, but I can paint with words. And um, so, yeah, it gave me the opportunity to work through what I had going on in my life and kind of see uh, perspective. Um, and, uh, you know, it, it was it was terrifying, really. Um, you know, as writing the script, there was not a single day that went by that I didn't write something and end up sobbing. Uh, there were several times where I turn, I'd finish a scene, I'd turn around and I'd vomit uh, because it was that intense. And then uh, the day Prometheus and Chains, uh, number one, hit, uh, you know, hit comic book stores all over the world, I was absolutely terrified. I felt naked, you know, because I had just, I'd really shared my, myself out there. And um, luckily, uh, thankfully, the critical and audience reception to Prometheus and Chains has been overwhelmingly positive. Um, people love the artwork. They love the story. Uh, and they see they see the soul of the book. Um, so, uh, yeah, it, it was just something I had to do. I, I, I would have gone crazy if if I hadn't uh, if I hadn't told that story. Do you think <clears throat> serving in the military is what set you up to be able to expose yourself and become vulnerable not knowing what the outcome is going to be from the the because you know the 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 world is 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 an ever changing place and people are easily triggered and people are hypersensitive right mm -hmm. you're ready to share something about yourself to a lot of a population of people that don't know you right don't mm -hmm. even have context mm -hmm. right because people pass judgment without context of course do you think it was the military that's that that provided you that strength to be able to muscle through and share that story you know, I think um, I think when you serve in the military, it, it prepares you. It strengthens your mind. It strengthens your resolve, um, and I it it does give you the tools to be able to do those things, to be able to face the unknown, the uncertainty, the danger, if you will. Um, unfortunately, the culture in the military is not really. Um, encouraging for people to uh, to get in touch with those things and to talk about them. But there is a movement among a lot of veterans um, out there um, to to kind of reset that. And, you know, they're forming their own groups and they're talking to one another. And, um, you know, it, it's I think things are changing. Um, and I, I do. I think uh, I think service members uh, they have all the tools they need to uh, to face these things and to make a difference in the world. Um, you, you just have to be willing to uh, engage with that. Right. You know, I'm trying to remember the quote. I mean, I, I think it was L. J. who said he said something about being a good guy, the difference between being a nice guy and a good guy. Right. Mm -hmm. And he says, I'm not I'm not um, a nice guy. I'm a good guy, which means is don't take advantage of me or don't try to disrespect me. Because, right. I'm a good guy, but I'm not a nice guy. That means he has a side of him that he works hard to contain, right? Mm -hmm. um, and that's that. That's that juggle, right? 
it's because yeah. I think a lot of it, what you what you've identified is it's a lot of mental preparedness mm -hmm. and juggling of thoughts and emotion. Mm -hmm. right? It absolutely and, is. Uh, it's you have to have that strength of mind and that that determination, that willpower uh, to really to face whatever the world is is throwing at you, whether that be um, a, a, a physical threat or uh, a mental uh, and emotional threat, uh, you know, they're, they're both deadly and damaging. Um, so you, you do, you have to have that mental fortitude and um, it's, it's, it's there. Uh, you just have to be courageous enough to tap into it. And a lot of times that means, um, you know, the strength comes from being vulnerable. It comes from, you know, going to your best friend or your cousin or your squad mate and saying, dude, I need help. You know, I can't handle this on my own. And, you know, in, in the military, people are trained to rely on their squad mates. You know, um, not, you don't do anything alone. There are no lone wolves in uniform. And, um, you know, so, again, all the tools are there. You just have to be willing and brave enough to, to use them. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. You know, I commend you. Um, you know, it's those first steps. You found a form of therapy. Right. And it's through mm -hmm. expression. Right. And I, and I think, you know, I work mm -hmm. in an environment where the, you know, with around hundreds of people and mental health, health is a serious, serious problem. And mm -hmm. I think Absolutely. Sometimes people wait till it's um, to the last minute where it's almost unsolvable. Right. Mm -hmm. They explode it. They do something drastic when, you know, instead of because of the fear of judgment or the, you know, or what people's perception would be. Rather than saying, I need help, right? Mm -hmm. you, know, you know, those that simple phrase, I need help, um, can solve a lot of or help to heal a lot of wounds. You know? Absolutely. You know? Yeah, it's it's when you have the courage to reach out, you're going to be surprised at how many people will reach back. Yeah. And uh, that's something, you know, it, it's it's frightening to reach out there and to ask for help the first time because you're wondering like, wow, is anybody going to care? Um, is anybody going to want to to help me or are they just going to tell me to suck it up and move on? You know, again, that's how we're raised as men, uh, you know, just suck it up. Don't tell anybody, move on. Boys don't cry. And um, but, yeah, it can be uh, it, it can be amazing, you know, when you do have that courage. And, you know, again, like you said, most people don't reach out until they're in crisis. Yeah. Um, so, you know, we need to be more more open and observant to what's going on with our friends. Yeah. And of course, you know, when we're suffering, we need to, you know, we need to reach out and engage and talk about it. Yeah. And I think the key word is observant, right? I say, think mm -hmm. we try to, we pretend we're not seeing what we're seeing or we don't hear what we, you know, there are trigger words and there are trigger signs, right? That you, mm -hmm. you can tell. And, mm -hmm. and I think sometimes people don't want to be inconvenienced or don't want to be yeah. burdened. Right. Mm -hmm. And, and they walk away. Well, how can I help? I'm not, I'm not, I'm not a professional. Well, just by a simple, I see you, mm -hmm. you know, I'm here to listen. You know, those yep. simple acts of kindness makes a difference in a person's Hell journey, yeah. right? Hell yeah. It's just being, using your gift of sight to be able to see that there's a problem, there's an opportunity to be able to step in and intervene or provide support, um, even in the smallest way, just by listening, right? Yep. That's yeah. the best thing you can do is just listen. Absolutely. Just listen. Yeah. I commend you, man. That, that's pretty awesome. That's pretty awesome. So you. You, 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 you found your solace in comics, white comics. 
You know, um, it's kind of funny. When I was a kid, I really didn't like comics all that much because I didn't like to read. Um, but my my mother, being absolutely ingenious as she often was, um, she kind of tricked me into um, learning to love to read because um, all I wanted to do was play video games and play baseball. I went to college, uh, played baseball in college, and I thought that's what I was going to do the rest of my life. That's all I wanted to do. And so my mom, she decided that if I, you know, if I played well in my game, in my baseball game, or if I, you know, I got straight A's, did all my chores, uh, she'd let me go over to Bob's Collector's Den in Cookville, Tennessee. It's like two towns over from where I lived. And um, I'd go on a Saturday and I could pick out all these comic books. And my little kid brain didn't realize that, uh, you know, comic books were reading um, you know, so from there, I, you know, I developed a, a voracious love for reading. I read every day now. I mean, I'm I'm one of those guys. I actually read a newspaper every day, you know, but I just I love the written word. And, um, you know, so from there, uh, it just grew into this lifelong love affair with comic books. And so to be able to work in this industry and, uh, you know, tell my stories and see my my by books on shelves and, you know, virtually every comic book store I go to, uh, you know, it's, it's an incredible feeling. Um, it just, it just feels right. You know, I've done a lot of things in my life. You know, I've, I've worked in radio. I've, I've been on Netflix on a television show with, uh, with Jerry Carita. Um, you know, I've, uh, worked for a newspaper. I've done a lot of things, but the one that felt right, man, was, uh, with writing comics. And, uh, I just love, being able to tell those stories, uh, you know, and just to touch people the way comic books touched me when, when I was coming up. I mean, I can see the radio because you have the voice for it, right? So (laughs) (laughs) the first thing I was thinking about, I was like, you should be with Howard Stern. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) I would love to be a guest on Howard Stern show, man. I I love that show. (laughs) Yeah, He's amazing. He's amazing. That's fantastic. You know, and, 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 and did, did, I mean, you've touched on so many, little nuggets there um mm-hmm. in your journey so you know you, you you dove into comics you know what outside of reading comics when you decided hey i'm gonna go and, and take a stab at it did you do any research or did you just jump in head first <laughs> so anybody that knows me knows that i am an obsessive research person i I will spend hours researching. Oh, well, for example, uh, when I'm writing Prometheus in Chains, um, I spent literally an hour and a half researching what likely would have been the image on the screen if someone were watching the Super Bowl, the first Super Bowl at a specific time of day. Nobody in the world gives a shit about that, but I do. Um, I had a uh, when I was writing Reign of Dracula. Um, there's a scene in there where um, Lucy, who's one of the lead lead characters, um, she rips a guy's spine out and then beats another guy to death with it. So I had to research, and I actually spoke to a coroner about like, okay, if someone hypothetically were to try to use someone's spine as a weapon, would it function like a club or a whip? And she texted me back, like, like, Rich, you asked me the most insane (laughs) questions. And then she sent me an image. There's a there's a weapon in the Philippines. It's kind of a combo between a club and a whip. And she said it would function like this. So, yes, uh, researching is something that I do for my books. It's definitely something I did for my career. Um, You know, I think the depth of knowledge that you have about whatever you're doing, even if it's not 
readily apparent and you're not using it directly, indirectly, it, it makes your work better. So, you know, I spent years um, going around talking to uh, different artists, different publishers, um, different writers, uh, you know, getting getting the lay of the land, uh, you know, if you will. And, you know, one thing I love about the comic book industry is there's a lot of people, most people who work in comics, they want to help you succeed. You know, most of them remember that when they were getting started, they had somebody really cool help them uh, when uh, they had no reason to. I mean, that was definitely me. Uh, and, uh, you know, we want to pay that forward. So I was very uh, overwhelmed almost by how receptive and open um, uh, comic creators were to providing that guidance. And I ate it up, man. I would... I would talk, I'd ask questions, I'd listen to stories, you know, because, you know, I wanted to know what I was getting into, you know, you, you have to, you have to prepare. And uh, so, yeah, lots and lots of research for everything I do, probably way too much research, to be honest. Right, right. So, now, <laughs> so yeah, I mean, your, your journey takes you to where, um, did you pitch to a publisher? You know, walk us through that process from start to how you created your product and what and then the decision to shop it. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, when it came to publishers, um, you know, I was I approached them at conventions and, you know, would talk to them and respectfully. You know, you, that that's the key. You know, you approach someone respectfully, you talk to them. Uh, you know, uh, Joe Pruitt from Aftershock Comics, uh, who's become a good friend of mine. Um, he was one of the first publishers that uh, that I approached. And uh, Aftershock is way too big for me to to bring out my first book. There's there's no way he should have given me the time of day, you know, but I go on to talk to Joe and I'm like, hey, you know, I know you're really busy, but, um, you know, if you get a break, can I buy you a cup of coffee? And, you know, I think that impressed him. People, they don't do that and they don't approach people that respectfully. So um, he sat down with me and he talked to me, he looked at my stuff. Um, but I think the biggest advantage I had, um, even though I had no name, nobody knew who the hell I was, um, I did have a finished product. Um, now I went, uh, and I didn't know how to get a comic book printed at the time. Um, so I just went to, to, uh, to Kinko's or FedEx office, whatever. And, um, I had them just Xerox it essentially on a uh, black and white. And, um, you know, I took it to Joe and I, I thought it was the greatest thing in the world and he ripped it apart. <laughs> he did told me everything that was wrong with it uh and that that inspired me man it made me want to go back and fix it and again learn more about how this is done um but yeah you know uh, when you're shopping it um it was a crazy process um you know i was shopping it about 20 late 2018 early 2019 um and i had had a lot of interest from uh came down to three publishers that i you know was about to have my choice to go go with and then all of a sudden COVID happens and nobody knows what's going on with the comic book industry anymore. So those three publishers, they went away um, and I was ready to give up on it. I was like, well, you know, that's the universe telling me, uh, you know, this isn't for me. Um, but uh, just out of the blue, really, uh, you know, serendipity, um, uh, uh, Bradley Golden from um, was Second Sight Studios uh, reached out to me and he's like, yo, I've heard of your book. People are talking about it. Um, I'm launching a new company and I want Cult of Dracula to be our first book. And wow. I was like, damn, I uh, <laughs> did not expect that, you know, just open my email and boom, there it is. Right. And uh, so, uh, you know, all that 
hard work I did, you know, I got lucky, I guess, you know. Um, so we put Cult of Dracula number one out through Second Sight Studios. Um, and it I, I love to tell this story because it always makes people laugh. But it's absolutely true. Um, uh, Cult of Dracula number one from Second Sight sold so many copies they couldn't afford to print issue two. Wow. And that's no fault of their own. Right. Uh, it was just they didn't have the distribution. They didn't have everything set up. Because nobody in the world expected, you know, a, a, a little known book from, you know, a guy that nobody's ever heard of. Nobody expected it was going to sell uh, from a company that nobody even knew. They didn't expect it was going to sell 10,000 copies, right. but it did. You know, I my, that book from Second Sight outsold a lot of Marvel and DC books. So wow. Second Sight was very, uh, very kind. Uh, they connected me with SourcePoint Press and helped me help me carry the book over to there. And then once I got to SourcePoint, they were amazing. Um, they took and um, they fulfilled everybody's orders for issue two. Um, everyone who had ordered from Second Sight, they fulfilled everyone's orders. Um, and then we re-released issue one uh, from SourcePoint through Diamond, um, and then it just caught fire from there. Um, you know, so it's there's a, there's a lot of luck involved, but it's really mostly your hard work and just your willingness to go and talk to people and build relationships with people. Because you know, Second Sight, Bradley at Second Sight heard about my book because he was talking to other creators. That means that one of those creators or multiple creators that I spoke to and pitched to, one of them, I made an impression on them and they remembered it. And so they were talking about it. And then, hey, a publisher is like, let's do this. I like it. That's that's pretty fantastic. So now that story is a very unique story. It, it's, not, it's not the standard, right? So mm. how did you keep yourself grounded and focused to create the follow-ups? Um, you know, uh, that, that's a great question really. Um, because, um, you know, whatever I've done is infinitesimal compared to, you know, what, what a lot of, you know, Todd McFarlane, Neil Adams, Cullen Bunn, Robert Kirkman, uh, you know, the, those folks, um, it, but it, it, you, I have come to understand through like a little bit of the little bit of exposure I've had, you know, uh, cult of Dracula was the badge at New York comic-con in 2021. And that was, that was overwhelming. You know, because you do, you get this, um, people start uh, kind of start treating you differently and it, it feels weird because, you know, you're just like, I'm just, I'm rich. I'm the same dude I was yesterday. You know, why are you acting like, you know, why are you acting like I'm a celebrity? Um, so it's, it's, I could see how that could go to your head, you know, cause it's, it's very tempting. So, um, you know, I just had to fall back on the way I was raised, you know, my mother, my father, my grandparents, uh, you know, they instilled that, that small town blue collar work ethic, you know, be proud of what you do, but don't be arrogant. Um, you know, go into every situation knowing that you're as good as everyone, but you're better than no one. And so, you know, it just really falling back on my raising, um, uh, you know, that, that helped me stay grounded. And then just that work ethic, you know, I saw my mom and my dad get up every day, go to work, punch a time clock, come home and then work raising me, you know, carting me around to baseball games and all that stuff. And, you know, while taking care of a household, um, you know, so I saw my parents do that and, um, you know, I, I, I had to live up to that. I couldn't let them down. I couldn't let mom and dad be ashamed of me by not putting the work in. Um, and, uh, you know, so it, it really, it helped me. 
Right. That's fantastic. And, and I think that's a great example. And then if anybody's listening to try, uh, looking to get break into comics, uh, these are really good life lessons. Now you have this experience, you're in the game, you're exposed to a lot of seasoned veterans. Mm-hmm. Um, major takeaway that you took from that experience that carries with you today. Um, no matter how big or famous uh, or how many, how many uh, books they've sold, how many awards they've won, they're just human beings. And, you know, just, just treat them, you know, uh, just treat them like, uh, like Neil and Bob and, you know, and Todd, you know, you don't have to, you don't have to, in fact, you don't even like it when people come and like, you know, just gush over you. It's great to hear that somebody loves your work. But most of us, we really don't like talking about ourselves. You know, like every conversation I have with a fan at a convention, you know, uh, I always try to spin it back to the work, you know, because I want to be known for the work. I don't I don't care if people know my name. I want them to know my stories. And uh, so, yeah, you know, comic book people are humans. Your favorite creator out there uh, is a human being. And he, you know, he wakes up and, you know, hates getting out of bed in the morning because it's too early stays up way too late um has hangovers you know they're 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 human beings and um so yeah that's the biggest takeaway because going into it you know i'm like i'm like oh my god jim lee you know neil adams todd mcfarland you know holy crap you know but they're just normal people man uh you know uh, shannon mayer was one of i worship this guy's artwork and uh you know i got to work with him on cult of dracula you know he he did uh, all six covers for uh, um for uh cult of dracula and you know i i was nervous as hell man and you know i was afraid to give them notes you know like when i would see you know and this was with a lot of artists not just shannon but when the you know uh, henry martinez who was my first artist in cult of dracula you know he worked for ghost rider gi joe worked for marvel you know it's like what what do i know how can i criticize this guy's work and tell him to change this and henry actually sat me down he said rich you've got to tell me what you really think. He said, I can't give you what you want if I don't know what you need. And I was like, wow, you know, that's, that's some sage advice right there. Um, so, so yeah, it's, it's, it's been, been a hell of an experience that way. Yeah. I mean, and I agree because you're the one who understands the vision and, and the look and feel for it. Right. And I think every artist wants to make certain that they meet that expectation. You know, no matter how talented they are, they, they always want to make certain that what they give you, that you're hundred percent satisfied mm-hmm. with it. Right. Right. Because at mm-hmm. that point you're the most important person and, yep. you know, and, and, and for an artist, it's, it's, you know, everybody talks, right. So mm-hmm. if, if you walk away and you're not happy, Right. Mm-hmm. You know, like no one wants that. Right. So I, yeah. I understand that completely. Um, so now you're back in the game. You, you're bringing Reign of Dracula. Now, um, is this your first crowdfunding camp? Um, camp? It is. Yeah, I I actually was kind of anti uh, crowdfunding before because um, I was looking at it wrong. Uh, I I was raised, you know, you don't go and ask people for money you know, and I felt weird about it. You know, I was like, you know, we'll sell it in stores, you know, that let people come and buy it. I'm not going to beg, you know, and I I looked at crowdfunding, you know, through the wrong lens and, uh, Jerry, uh, Carita, um, you know, he kind of showed me the different side of it and really, you know, you're not asking people for money. You're giving them a product that they can't get anywhere else. They're just paying for it in advance. 
And, you know, uh, now that I'm seeing how this is working, you know, I don't know if I ever want to launch a book again that doesn't start with Kickstarter because um, a lot of things, something that people may not realize out there, when you're a writer, creator, comics will break you. Yeah. It's expensive as hell yes, to is. do a comic book. Like uh, all six issues of Prometheus and Chains uh, cost me just over twenty five thousand dollars to do six issues. That's to pay your artist. That's to pay your you know pencils, your inker, your flatter, your colorist, your letterer, your editor, your cover artists. That's expensive. And yeah. artists have this kind of crazy idea. I don't know where this comes from, but it's like, okay, I gave you a page. Give me money. Here's yeah. another page. Give me money. Here's another page. Give me money. Yeah. Um, writers. I mean, I'm not even going to see a penny from Prometheus and Chains until January, maybe February of next year. Wow. Um, and I paid Jordan uh, Dorenzo, my artist. Uh, you know, I paid him his first uh, his first payment um, was in March of this year. So it's almost a full year goes by before I'm going to see a penny. And, you know, uh, to be frank, I'm probably not going to recoup my money um, on the floppy sales, you know, the individual issues. Uh, yeah. I'll make my money when it comes out in trade. Yeah. But you have to put the floppies out there to get people interested enough to get to a trade. Um, so, you know, it, it just seeing how expensive it is to produce a comic book, it's, you know, Kickstarter makes that a little bit easier because now, you know, the money that I'm paying Les Linden Garner to do Reign of Dracula, you know, I'm going to have that money coming in from Kickstarter. So it's less of a financial burden on, on me. Uh, yeah. So now I'm singing Kickstarter's praises, man. I, I evangelize it to everybody, you know, go to Kickstarter, reach your audience. That's another really cool thing I've learned about Kickstarter is you can it you can reach comic book people people who are looking for your stuff or stuff like what you're doing whereas like if you're putting it out in a you know in a comic book store by itself you know it's just it's just a little paragraph in a giant phone book that yeah. retailers go through or some retailers don't even go through previews anymore they just go on the foc on diamond's website or penguin or um lunar or whatever and it's really difficult to get noticed and you know you try to promote yourself on social media and you know you pay for all these ads you don't know who you're reaching you don't know who they are you don't know if they give a damn about your work yeah. um but with kickstarter you know you get to those people it's kickstarter's a it's a what i've learned is it's a community and it's a community that that wants to support um other people they want to see new art you know and new writing new stories i think I think people are, they're tired of capes and tights and the same 12 stories recycled with different clothes, yeah. you know? Um, so you're getting, you're getting the best of comic books really on Kickstarter now, um, you know, cause people, people are rolling the dice. They're, they're taking risks. They're, they're, they're pushing boundaries, um, you know, in a way that you just don't get in the corporate comic book structure. Um, so yeah, I, uh, I'm very excited to be doing my first Kickstarter campaign with, uh, Thorny comics. Um, and, uh, you know, we're, we're, it's already a success. You know, we kicked it off yesterday, um, actually about 26 hours ago and, you know, we're already up to over a grand, um, which is really, really cool. Um, and I was kind of flabbergasted that that many people jumped on it, um, in the beginning and, um, you know, so yeah, Kickstarter has been amazing, man. That's fantastic. Uh, so 
Let it share with everybody uh, the premise behind <laughs> the reign of Dracula. So reign of Dracula is the third and final volume of my Dracula saga. Um, Cult of Dracula, what I like to tell people, I, I've, I'm a film buff, so I come. In, I was originally a screenwriter, um, and when I got into writing, um, so I kind of look at things in terms of movies. So I tell people, if Cult of Dracula was a Toby Hooper, Southern Gothic, Texas Chainsaw Massacre story, Rise of Dracula was a uh, John Carpenter near-future dystopia, and Reign of Dracula is a full-on George Miller, the world is fucked apocalypse. <laughs> and so, you know, see that evolution through films. Um, uh, when you get to the theme, when you're reading deeply, I love that that cover, by the way. That's my friend yeah. Brian Silverbacks. God, it's beautiful. Um, but, uh, you know, when you read deep, deep, deep into Reign of Dracula, it's, it, it's, a, it's an it's a kind of a play on Dante's Inferno and Paradiso. Um, when you get down to it, the main story in Reign of Dracula is following Lucy and Mina. They're sisters, they're daughters of Dracula, and they are um, they're of the bloodline that would inherit the title of Dracula. In this world, Dracula is a title, not a character. So it's like a, a king or a queen or a princess, empress, whatever. And so Lucy's journey takes her through the nine circles of hell and um, Mina's journey takes her through uh, through heaven. Um, and they both confront different gods. Um, you know, it's it, this, it's not a religious book at all, but I do pull in a lot of uh, world mythologies and religions. You're not just going to see the Judeo-Christian um, stories you're familiar with. You know, I pull in stories from Indonesia and um the Philippines, the Native Americans, you know, all of those things, um, they apply to this story. Uh, and while they're exploring, you know, going on their journey, there's a literal apocalypse happening on uh, on Earth. Um, you know, there's a human resistance. Uh, you met Jonathan Harker and Arthur Holmwood in, uh, in Cult of Dracula. Dracula rises and uh, the cult becomes a movement. That movement takes over the United States. And then by the time we get to Reign of Dracula, that movement is taking over the world. And um, Jonathan and Arthur are leading this human resistance. Um, so you get those, those three angles. You get heaven, hell, and uh, earth uh, all in there. Um, and it's, uh, it's a wild ride, man. It's a trip. Um, it's, it's fast, it's violent. Um, you know, it's, uh, it moves, it moves really well. And it's a really, uh, you know, there's a lot of, a lot of humor in it as well. Um, which was a big change after writing Prometheus, which was, uh, you know, not funny at all. Um, but, um, but yeah, a reign of Dracula is going to surprise a lot of people, um, with just where we go with it. Um, and you know, if you're a fan of like, of Mad Max post-apocalyptic stories, uh, you're going to really dig this. That's fantastic. I mean, see, you already got another pledge while we're talking. Uh, oh, nice. Yes. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> it was already worth it coming on here, man. <laughs> uh, so that, that's pretty fantastic. So um, what are some of the rewards, the tiers? What can people um, get from their pledges? Yeah. So this is the part that drove Jerry Carita from Forney Comics insane. Um, <laughs> I wanted the book to be cheap and accessible. I wanted a lot of people to get their hands on it. Um, I insisted on retailer tiers that gave retailers a 50% keystone discount, the same discount they would get 
um, from buying it in diamond because, right. uh, you know, it, it, they've got to be able to justify selling it to make money on it. Right. Um, so some of the rewards, um, you know, the standard rewards, like, you know, a lot of Kickstarters have, um, you're going to get unique cover art. Um, each one, we've got seven different covers from seven amazing artists. Um, and, um, those will be available exclusively through Kickstarter. Um, also, um, making it very unique. Um, we're, exclusively through Kickstarter. These will never be re reproduced in any format. Um, we're doing double-sized issues. So instead of one 24-page comic, you're getting a jumbo-sized 48-page comic. Uh, and it's going to be done all in black and white with an ink wash. Um, so kind of like Walking Dead style. Those right. will only be available through Kickstarter. Um, so that right there should pique the interest of uh, of the collectors out there because then the books are going to come out in next spring in comic book stores in single issues that'll be in full color. So you're going to have that collectible thing. Um, we've also um, decided that in the first uh, 48 hours, so you've got until 6 p.m. on Wednesday uh, to back the the project you're going to get a steep discount uh, i think it's up to a 15 percent discount um depending on what tier uh you back and this is really cool got got um permission from source point press and from red five to do this um you can get trade paperbacks of cult of dracula and rise of dracula so you can catch up and then um for the people who back it within the first 48 hours exclusively for them any tier, even if it's a dollar tier, you will get all six issues of Prometheus in Chains digitally for free. Wow. Yeah. And uh, we've got some tiers in there. You can get original artwork. Uh, you can have your own unique posters made um, for the, the covers, the main covers for uh, Reign of Dracula, Les uh, Garner. He actually painted these on 24 by 36 canvases. Um, and we're putting, a, there's going to be a tier on there. I don't know if it's up yet, but you'll be able to get those or that original artwork that are this giant original uh, comic book art. Um, so that that's a fantastic reward that I absolutely love. Um, and, you know, the, the, and the artists who have done the covers, uh, you know, Bella Racklin, I love hers. Brian Silverbacks, we saw his earlier. Um, that's Bella's cover right there. Uh, it's stunning. I love her use of color. Yeah. And that's that's next one's Brian Silverbacks. He's a Ringo Award nominated artist. Beautiful, beautiful work. Love the the watercolors. Yeah. Um, and this is uh, Jonathan McDaniel. Um, he's uh, he's a guy out of Memphis, Tennessee. Love that one. This introduces a brand new character named Lily. Um, right. So this is her first appearance on a cover. She actually makes her first appearance in uh, Prometheus in Chains number six. This is Sean Cross. Um, that's the only cover that wasn't created specifically for Reign of Dracula. This was a, a new art piece that I just fell in love with. And Sean was kind enough to allow me to license it for the cover. Nice. Um, beautiful, beautiful work. This is uh, Tyler J. Haddix. Uh, you might recognize him from TMNT, The Last Ronin. Um, Love that cover. He wanted to kill me when I told him what it was. Um, and the more you look at this, the more you're going to find, especially you, know, you look at the bodies and you see how they're moving. You know, it's it's it, it's a mushroom cloud. But then when you look really carefully, it's a skull. So it's uh, it was it's a play. It's a reference to one of my favorite artists, Salvador Dali, and his ballerina in skull. Um, and so wanted to play with that. He just knocked it out of the park. Nice. Um, uh, this next cover here, I love. It's got a cool story with it. Uh, it's from my friend Rob Reziano. Um, he did some work for Vampirella, um, things like that. Um, this is the first 
this cover put me in Facebook jail for the first time ever in my life. <laughs> so this cover pissed somebody off so much that they complained to Facebook and pay, uh, Facebook put a restriction on me. So I couldn't post for like 24 hours. Oh, so wow. I'm that that's a badge of honor now for me. I'm going to love that cover uh, forever. Um, it really captures um, Lucy's story as she goes through hell. It's also, if you, you know, if you're a film buff, like I am, you're going to notice all, a lot of references to Hellraiser um, yeah. in there. Um, so yeah, I, I really dig this artwork. Um, and, um, yeah, uh, there's one more cover coming from Spike Jarrell. Um, and that's going to be, he does a lot of work for Antarctic press. Um, it's going to be your more traditional comic book style cover. Um, uh, Spike's just a little bit late getting his artwork in. <clears throat> nice, nice, <laughs> nice. So, all right. So my friend, we're at the point where I want you to deliver your elevator pitch. I'm going to give you the screen, tell everybody why they should back it. And then where can, if they want have any questions or want to reach you, how they can reach you on social media. So uh, without further ado, we'll let you uh, take the screen. Let's go. Hey. So yeah, again, my name is Rich Davis, writer, creator of the World of Dracula series. Um, also Prometheus and Chains from Red 5 Comics. It's out now. Got this really cool Kickstarter going uh, for Reign of Dracula. Um, it's a post-apocalyptic uh, Armageddon on Earth while two amazing vampires make their trip through heaven and hell. Um, I'm really excited about it. I think there's a lot. Um, there's a lot to offer through the Kickstarter campaign. A lot of things you're not going to be able to get uh, in comic book stores. Uh, but then please go buy it in comic book stores too because that's really cool because I get paid. Um, and if you're looking for me, you can find me at worldofdracula.com, uh, on all the social media, uh, it's, uh, at world of Dracula. Um, so hit me up, uh, you can find me anywhere and, uh, you know, going back to what we talked about first, you know, post-traumatic stress disorder, uh, mental health issues. If you're out there, if you're struggling and you feel like you're alone, hit me up, hit me up on social media, man, uh, message me, DM me, whatever. I promise you I'll reach back. I promise you I'll talk to you. Um, so, um, yeah, so please give me a follow, give me a like, uh, give me a back, you know, share, share the Kickstarter if you can. Um, cause I really want, uh, really want people to get this story. Outstanding. Outstanding. And Lou says people love being ticked off on Facebook. Yep. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> yes, they do. Yes, they do. Sometimes way too much. <laughs> yeah. It's, 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 it's so easy on Facebook. Man, it's a pleasure having you on. You, I mean, I mean, we you have so many different stories and so many things that, that we can dive into. You're always welcome back on Cast the Craze podcast. Thank you, my friend. I've um, enjoyed it. Yeah, it's fantastic. Again, it's the Reign of Dracula. Link is in the chats. Link is in the show notes. Go check it out. It's fantastic. I wish you a lot of success. And again, I commend you with what you're doing and, and giving back to the community by sharing your story and uh, providing some sort of outlet for others to do the same. Congratulations to you. Yep. Thank you. You got it, brother. All right, so that was uh, Rich Davis and uh, Reign of Dracula. Guys, play this on Rewind. Listen to us all over again. Uh, Facebook jail is overcrowded. Yeah, they almost tried to put me on jail for duty. Can you believe Facebook tried to find me or or uh, block because duty I had duty sitting on a couch? And they said that um, it was obscene. I said, wait, hold on. It's an alien sitting on a couch. I said, did you see half the stuff that's on Facebook? And you're coming after a cartoon you're crazy anyway but um yes this is the kind of guest i love the fantastic stories um the wealth of knowledge the depth of 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 just 
the lessons, the life lessons. That's what uh, this was. What the show was founded on. It's really about the stories about the creator, um, you know. And I know that Rich said that you know his focus is, you know, putting his product before him, but the real story is him, you know. And it's a fantastic story. So if you haven't done so already, you know, um, play this on rewind if you missed the first part of this show. Um, listen to us on Spotify or uh, Pandora or any of the audio streaming pl uh, platforms, but fantastic, fantastic. And the message is, you know, if you, if you need somebody to talk to, just ask for help, you know, don't be too proud. That's one of the things I know that I struggle with as a kid, because I remember when I became vulnerable with my friends, they weren't receptive because that's not how they were raised. So I felt like even at a young age that I wasn't allowed to talk about those things. Right. So I think it's important that, um, you know, we, we uh, we care enough for ourselves to get the help that we need. Um, that's awesome. That's awesome. Um, you know, so again, uh, that was Rich Davis. The Reign of Dracula on Kickstarter right now. The link is in the chat. And don't forget, Thursday, we're going to be back. Thursday, we have a surprise show. It's going to be fantastic. If you're a fan of Cast the Craze Podcast, you want to be here Thursday night. George will be back Thursday night. We're going to have some fun. We're going to have the spinner. We're going to go crazy. We're going to go big. So tell your friends, get everybody here. You don't want to miss this show Thursday night. We don't do Thursday shows, but we're doing it this Thursday. I can't tell you what it is. But you'll find out. You have to come here Thursday night. It's going to be amazing. And um, again, it's the last 20 hours of my Kickstarter. There's an alien in my toilet. You see it right behind me. It's the last 20 hours. You know, if you haven't backed it, I want you to get yourself a copy. Mark your calendar. So I'm talking about get yourself a copy of There's an alien in my toilet, book number six, Peekaboo ICU. It's on a whole nother level. And there's a lot of free stuff when you back it and you make a physical pledge. A lot of free stuff. So much I can't even talk about it anymore. But I'd love for you to get it um, and own this. I worked really hard on this book. I worked really hard on a lot of stuff. And again, I want to just say shout out to all of you, the viewers on uh, The Art of Samuel, my art channel. Um, the last five rec uh, requests were for me to draw duty as Galactus, uh, to draw duty as Dr. Octopus, to draw duty as Thanos. To draw duty as uh, the Green Goblin. And last night, I was drawing duty as the Dude Hatter. And um, I'm going to fix the eyes and uh, add some more embellishment to this piece. I really liked it, though. So I want to say thank you to everyone who subscribes to the art channel. That's been growing nicely. I really appreciate you. A new vlog on the channel is the ZoloCon experience. Go check it out. Um, and if you're going to be in Texas, uh, I will be at Mansfield, Texas this weekend. Thank you. Thank you. Um, this weekend, book signing, Mansfield, Texas, Geek Out, grand opening. I will be one of, I think, 10 creatives that are going to be there. A couple of Marvel Comics artists, some Texas local artists, and yours truly, the crazy man himself. I'll be there, and I'll have the spinner there as well. So join me in Mansfield, Texas for book signing for the grand opening of Geek Out Comics. It's going to be fantastic. And again, tomorrow night, 7 p.m. Central Time. Kickstarter for Disney in my toilet ends. Get your copy. I appreciate you. And again, if you haven't done so already, hit that like button, subscribe, share this episode with a friend. Let everybody know where to go for great content, great interviews, great guests, and yours truly, the crazy man. And I'll see you this weekend. Actually, I'll see you Thursday when George the Dreamer Medina comes back. With that said, I'm Sam the Crazy Man Vera. 
There's no George the Dreamer Badina, but we are out. Thank you, Lou. Thank you, everybody. I wish you guys all the best. Crazy. 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 Say my name, say my name. Right? <laughs> this is what you were thinking? Oh, you are listening to Catch the Craze. You're listening to Catch the Craze. You're listening to Catch the Craze. You are listening to Catch the Craze. You are listening to Catch the Craze.